0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Eagle's Nest Church podcast, where we're committed to helping you soar in your faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness. Get ready for today's message with senior pastor of Eagle's Nest Church, Lee Jenkins. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise, everybody. (laughs) Hallelujah. The Lord is worthy to be praised. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, we are in week 3 of a series that is entitled The Help. Experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do we call it the help? Because when Jesus left this earth, he told the disciples that he was going to be sending a helper, an advocate. Um this advocate, this comforter, was the Holy Spirit. And he actually told the disciples that they would be better off by having the Holy Spirit than they would be by having Jesus in their life physically. Because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at the same time. But Jesus was limited by his earthly body. So he said, it is to your advantage that the help or the helper comes. And ladies and gentlemen, it is to our advantage that we understand the power of the Holy Spirit, that we call on the power of the Holy Spirit, that we understand who the Holy Spirit is. And so in week one, which I want to encourage you to go back and listen to because it set the foundation, week one we talked about Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, by the way, is a divine person. The Holy Spirit is not just an it or a power or a thing. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And so we talked about that. And then in week two, last week, I entitled the sermon Holy Ghostaholic. It's a word that I made up. But it really means to be addicted to the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. The same way people are addicted to alcohol, we should be addicted to the presence of God. And when somebody is drunk, you know it. When they're drunk on alcohol, when somebody sees our life, if it is controlled by the Holy Spirit, they should know it. We should be intoxicated with the presence of God. So I want to encourage you to go back and to listen or to look at those two sermons. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, we praise you. We worship you, Lord, because you are worthy to be praised. And so now, Lord, we come to you asking you to speak to us, to enlighten us, to challenge us by your Holy Spirit. and Father, um, transform our lives today. Draw us closer to you. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, Lord, may it be acceptable in your sight. May your word just jump out today at people. And so, Father, I'm praying for a rhema word for some people. That means a word that is on time, something that they needed to hear today. So we thank you for that, Lord. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody. The Lord is worthy to be praised. I grew up in a neighborhood in southeast Atlanta, the first 12 years of my life, and it was a pretty rough neighborhood. In fact, I was back in that neighborhood a few weeks ago at my mother's funeral, and it doesn't look that rough now because it's been gentrified and a lot of the projects have been replaced by condominiums. And I remember I took my kids about 15 years ago. I said, I'm going to take y'all to the hood so you could see where I grew up. And little did I know they had already torn down those projects. And so I showed my children and they said, yeah, dad, this is really the hood. Because it looked completely different. Well, one of the things that I remember very vividly about my childhood was fighting. Uh, Everybody... Fault. Now fighting was a little bit different back then because the worst thing that could happen to you is you could get a bloody nose or a black eye. We didn't have to worry about knives and guns and stuff like that. I know it's a little different today. So everybody fought. And I remember every few weeks as a little child, I would get terrorized by the neighborhood bully. The neighborhood bully would follow me to school sometimes. The neighborhood bully would push me down. The neighborhood bully would take my lunch from me. The neighborhood bully would leave me crying and scared. And her name was... uh... (laughs) Yeah, it was a girl, okay. (laughs) Her name was Michelle Parks. I've been looking for her for 50 years. I'm going to find her, too. So fighting was very prevalent. If you lived in the hood, you had to know how to fight. Whether you were a boy or a girl, it didn't matter. Everybody fought. As a Christian... You and I have to know how to fight. Because this Christian life is not easy. And if you don't know how to fight or you don't want to fight, you're not going to be victorious in your walk with God. Now, there are a couple of things that we fight, but the three most prominent fights that Christians get in is number one with the devil with Satan. That's what I call spiritual warfare. It's when the enemy is fighting against you and you you know it's nothing but the devil. But oftentimes the devil manifests itself through people. And so that second fight that we have to deal with is fighting people, which is really fighting the devil but the devil, devil often shows up in people and through relationships. But the third way we fight is through or with, rather, our flesh. Our flesh. Things that we want to do that we know we shouldn't be doing. Things that we try not to do but we do it anyway our flesh can put up a fight and so that's what i want to talk to you about today i've entitled today's presentation winning the battle within winning not losing winning the battle within i could have called it Winning the battle with yourself. Because sometimes the biggest battle that we fight is not necessarily with Satan. It's not necessarily with other people. But sometimes the biggest battle that we fight is with ourselves. Our flesh. What we want to do that is not pleasing to God. Well, I want to look at our main passage today. It's taken from the New Testament book in Galatians, Galatians chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. I'm going to be reading it from the New American Standard Bible, Galatians chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. Let's look at it. The words are from the Apostle Paul. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Walk by the Holy Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Because your flesh, as you're going to see, your flesh has desires that are opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. So he says, "Walk by the spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the holy fle- of, the, of the flesh, rather." And then he goes on to say this: Why? Because the desire of the flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are in opposition to one another. They're fighting each other. They're battling each other in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. So they're battling each other in order to keep you from doing what you really want to do, and that is to please God. Because if you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you do have a desire to please God, but you got this thing in you that we're going to talk about, this nature in you, This thing that we all have to deal with called our flesh. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you are a Christian, you are engaged in a heavyweight fight that has been raging since the beginning of time. You are not merely a spectator in this fight. You are a participant. This fight is fierce. The opponent is formidable and relentless. This fight is also long. It's not just 12 rounds or 15 rounds like a boxing match. In fact, you're going to be fighting this fight until you walk through the pearly gates. The fight I'm describing is the fight between the Holy Spirit, which resides inside of us if you are a follower of Christ, and your flesh. The Holy Spirit, which resides in us and our flesh. It's a battle. Our flesh now refers to the fallen nature that still resides within a believer. What do I mean when I say the fallen nature? The sin nature. Because of the sin of Adam, we are, as human beings, naughty by nature. Okay? <laughs> Y'all remember that song? Dave? <laughs> Hip-hop, hooray, ho! I'm not talking about the song, okay? The hip-hop song. We are naughty by nature. In theological circles, this is sometimes referred to as the Adamic nature. The nature that came from the sin of Adam and Eve and was passed through literally the bloodline spiritually of all human beings and it is this nature that resides in us it's deep down in there that causes us to sin in fact if you don't believe that there is a such thing as a nature or we're naughty by nature think about a little toddler you don't have to sit down with a little toddler and say I want to teach you how to be selfish. You don't have to teach a toddler how to be selfish. You don't have to teach a little toddler how to lie. Let me teach you how to lie. No. What we have to teach toddlers, what we've had to teach our children, and what our parents had to teach us is how to share not how to be selfish, because that nature was already in us. We had to teach our little ones to tell the truth, not to lie, because that nature of lying was already in us. So that's what I mean when I say the sin nature. So regardless of how spiritual you think you are, regardless of how much Bible you know, regardless of how long you have been saved, regardless of how many tongues you speak in. Everybody who desires to live for Christ has to battle with their flesh. Everybody. Okay? Every Christian on this side of heaven experiences the conflict between the Holy Spirit and their flesh. Now, if you are not a Christian, if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and to make him Lord of your life, then you probably aren't in this battle or this fight because your flesh is already winning. Because there is no battle because your flesh is telling you to do whatever you want to do. But for those of us who follow Christ, the question is this. How do you win this battle against the flesh? How do you do it? Well, in Galatians 5, 19, and 21, Paul, I'm not going to go through all of these, but the Apostle Paul lists some of the fleshly things that many of us struggle with or we have struggled with during our walk with Christ. Because just because you walk with Christ does not mean you're not going to struggle with your flesh. Now, we don't like to talk about that, but it is a fact. So in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, um, I won't read it, but I want to mention some of the things that the Apostle Paul mentions that people, you and I, people back in the Bible days that they struggled with. Sexual immorality. Keeping their sexual desires intact. By the way, God gave you your sexual desires, but he designed it for a particular purpose. So it's not like it's, it's bad. It's just supposed to be used according to God's purpose. Fire is not bad. Fire in a fireplace feels really cozy. But fire outside of a fireplace can burn your house down. And so when we talk about sexual immorality and how God uh, desires for us to live out our sexuality, he's saying, yes, sexuality is real. Those desires are real. God put them there. But they're supposed to be contained within the way that God designed it to be contained. So he talks about sexual immorality. He talks about idolatry. We don't use that word a lot, but that's when you make something else your God. And idolatry is present today. A lot of people, their jobs, their careers, money, people, uh, attention, uh, social media likes, that's their idol. Because that's more important to them than anything. So he talked about idolatry, anger, jealousy, envy, selfish ambition, Didn't say anything was wrong with ambition, but he said selfish ambition, drunkenness. And that's just to name a few. These are some of the treacherous acts of our flesh. So the question again is, how do you win the battle against the flesh? How do you win the battle against you? The text gives us the answer. Let's look again at Galatians 5, 16. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And it says, here's the answer. But I say, the Apostle Paul is saying, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So the answer is, if you don't want your flesh to control you, anger, sexual desires, envy, jealousy, all the stuff that we've all dealt with at one time or another and are still dealing with, some of us. If you want to get control of it, it's, it's going to take more than willpower. It's going to take more than a 12-step than a program. Paul says, the way you do not carry out the desire of your flesh is you have to walk by the spirit allow the holy spirit to control you so the key to winning the battle against the flesh As Paul says, is to walk by the Spirit. Now, walking, that word in the Bible is a euphemism. It means uh, our daily conduct. So when people say you walk a certain way, how is a person's walk with God? They don't necessarily mean, you know, them walking. But what they mean is, how are you living? How are you rolling? What is your lifestyle about? So when we walk by the Spirit, It it means this. Look, Look at this definition. Walking by the Spirit means our lifestyles are being directed, influenced, or guided by the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me make it plain. That means your everyday decisions are guided by the Holy Spirit because your decisions determine your destiny. Your everyday decisions. From the house you buy and the cars you buy. From business to romantic relationships, to career moves, to your retirement, Um, all of the things that we make decisions about should be guided by the Holy Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit becomes your GPS leading you away from the desires of your flesh. But now let's look at the second half of this verse in Galatians five sixteen. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So if you walk by the spirit, allow the Spirit to control you, influence you, direct you, then you will not carry out, live out the desire of the flesh. Let me correct a misconception about this verse. The Bible is not saying that when you walk By the Spirit, you will no longer have any desires of the flesh. Okay? It says, now that would be great, by the way, if that happened. If we could walk by the Spirit and all of our desires will go away. You walk by the Spirit, and you never have to worry about anger, envy, jealousy, sexual desires that aren't you know, pleasing to God, greed, all of that stuff. If you just walk by the Spirit, then all of that will just naturally go away. But that's not what this verse says. It did not say that you would not have the desires. It says if you walk by the Spirit you will not carry out the desire of your flesh. There's a big difference between having a desire and carrying out a desire, okay? There's a big difference. Now, it would be great if we did not even have the desire, and I believe the the closer we get to Christ, then those desires start to dissipate. But that sin nature is still down in there. And it can pop up at the most inopportune times. When you think you have buried that old man and that joker pops back up. Somebody pulls in front of you on the freeway and you hit the brakes and you say something, you say a curse word that you hadn't said in 20 years. Or you give him a gesture with your fingers And you look at your hand, like, I thought you were dead. (laughs) And you didn't know, yeah, that middle finger still works. (laughs) So the desires are there. What Apostle Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit will help you not carry out what your flesh is trying to tell you to say or do. When, when I fast, I don't, I don't know about y'all, maybe y'all are more spiritual than me, but when I fast, I still have the desire to eat, okay? How many of y'all can relate to that, all right? The desire doesn't go away. I don't care how much I pray, it's still there. In, in fact, y'all, sometimes it gets really bad, okay? And, and see, for me, my weakness out of all of the food categories is, is the, one of the worst things. My, my crack, my crack <laughs> is, is sweets, okay? See, I know y'all might, like, y'all dream of eating a big steak when y'all fast, okay? I don't. Give me a Krispy Kreme donut, okay? <laughs> so I drive down the street, and those lights are on, man. It says hot donuts, and I'm like, oh my God, I just want to turn around. <laughs> but the desire is not that bad, but what I have to do is keep driving. <laughs> I can't carry out that desire. I can't get in the drive-through line and say, okay, give me two of those chocolate-covered uh, hot donuts, put a little sprinkles on them while you're at it. <laughs> then that means I'm carrying it out. It's the same way y'all. Maybe you have a desire in the sexual area that you know that's not pleasing to God. Or maybe you have been addicted to alcohol and you know that you should not be drinking. I'm just saying that sometimes the desires are there but the holy spirit can help us not to carry those desires out. That's why we have to learn how to call on the name of the Holy Spirit. And we have to learn how to incorporate the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen to that. So one of the reasons a lot of us fail, fall down, Is because we don't know how to access this power that the Holy Spirit gives us. Well, what do you do when you have these desires coming at you? Because they are real. Well, let me give you an example of what you do. Gravity is real. You can rebuke gravity all you want. You can pray, gravity, I rebuke you. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to jump off this building. And gravity, I rebuke you right now. And you jump off that building, you're going to go down. Gravity is going to bring you down. It is real. Sin and the sin nature is real. So how do you overcome it if it's real? Do you ignore it? Here's how you overcome it. The same way an airplane takes off. An airplane has an enemy, and it's called gravity. So what an airplane has to do is to override this force that's trying to keep it on the ground And this force is called gravity. Well, how do you do that? Well, there are a couple of things that an airplane has to do. First of all, an airplane has to be designed aerodynamically, almost like a bird, the wings, the nose. And so the way an airplane is designed is designed aerodynamically. Then an airplane has to have a runway so it can have enough speed in order to take off. And then thirdly, an airplane has to have an engine, a strong engine, something that's going to lift it off, okay? And then the airplane also has a pilot, some people controlling it. And so when you put all that together and the airplane goes down the runway at an incredible speed and then the pilot puts that thing in gear and it starts to lift up and lift up, you know what's happening? There's a fight going on. Gravity is saying, come back down here. Who do you think you are? And the airplane is saying, I know you're there, but I'm more powerful than you. Because of the speed, because of the engine, uh, because of the way I'm built, and because of the pilot knows what he's doing, what happens is the plane overrides this force called gravity. And the plane ends up soaring through the sky. So, ladies and gentlemen, gravity is real. Sin is real. The sin nature is real. But what you and I have to do by the power of the Holy Spirit is to override it. And the only way you can override it is you have to have a profound relationship with Christ and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to be so strong in your life where you just take off. All right? You just take off. So, why is this battle between the Holy Spirit? and the flesh so fierce. Look at this scripture. In Galatians 5.17, I read 5.16, it says, for the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. They're always gonna fight in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. So you all wanna just give you with the little time we have left, just three practical ways to walk by the Spirit. There's three things, and there are many, but three things that I want you to consider that I believe can help you to walk by the Spirit. Number one, put no confidence in your flesh. That's big. I've done enough counseling over the years to tell you that a lot of the trouble that people get in, especially in the sexual area, is because they put more confidence in their flesh than they should. Okay, what do I mean? It sure is quiet in here. All right. Okay, I know some people, not any of y'all, okay, who thought that they could handle interacting with an old girlfriend or an old boyfriend on social media. They, 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 somebody pop up in the DMs or, 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 or somebody pops up in the friend category and, and they're thinking, well, that was 15 years ago when we did our little thing. That was 20 years ago, 30 years. That was 40 years ago. Certainly it's not going to be any problem with me communicating with them. And, and you know, and, and then, you know, you hit them back a couple of times. And then next thing you know, hey, what's your phone number? We got to talk. We got to catch up on some old times. But you know what? I, I can handle that. That's what people say. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I can handle that. My flesh is is okay. And then next thing you know, you start talking to them on the phone and texting and all that. And you say, hey, why don't we get together? We hadn't seen each other in 40 years. And then next thing you know, you get together. But the whole time, you're putting a lot of confidence in your flesh. So a lot of people start doing things that they think they can handle. And next thing you know, they're tied up in an as Jada Pinkett said, in an entanglement. (laughs) Find yourself in an entanglement. You're wondering, how did I get here? You put a whole lot of confidence in your flesh. Or maybe you say, I can can look at porn occasionally. I'm not going to get hooked on that. And next thing you know, you're addicted. Or you might say, hey, you know, I can flirt. I, 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 can, I can say some things that, that might be a little inappropriate. I can go right up to the edge of saying, because I'm not going to do nothing, but I'm just going to go as close to it as I can. And then I'm going to bail out. And then what happens, as my mama used to tell me, boy, you play with Fire? You're going to get burned. So in other words, we trust our flesh. We have more confidence in our flesh than we should. And that's what gets us in trouble. Okay, where am I going with this? The Apostle Paul was a super Christian. Obviously, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He persecuted Christians. But When he started following Christ, based on his pedigree, his educational background, the family he came from, he had the most incredible resume. And and, and he, he said, I can brag about it if I wanted to. But I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, verses 3 and 4. Look at what he said. He said, For it is we who are the circumcision. He's talking about the people who uh, who are serving Christ, who who Christ has made new, taken the old away uh, uh, and made them new. He said, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. What he's saying is, I've been changed, but I don't put any confidence in this flesh, in in my achievements, in my background, in my church history, in my intellect. Then he goes on to say this. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He's now talking about his pedigree. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So he's saying that I was more religious than any of you all. I'm more educated. I've been in a church. I know more scripture than any of you all. And I still will not put confidence in my flesh. Okay? So some of the people that I know who mess up a lot are some of the most religious people because they put confidence in their Flesh. Look at what else Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. He says this. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. He's talking about that sin nature. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I want to, but there's something in me. That sometimes hinders me from carrying it out. Then he says this. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Wow. Then he goes on to say this. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, (laughs) but it is sin living in me that does it. So y'all, we have to be careful because there's something living inside of us that wants to sin. Put no confidence in your flesh. Protect your marriage. Put boundaries around relationships. I know you're strong, but your flesh is your flesh. There are just some things I won't do. And it's not because I don't trust my flesh, but at the same time, I don't think I would do something crazy. But I say, but you know what? I'm not going to take that chance. I'm not going to take that chance. Okay, two quick ones, and then we'll land this plane. All right, the second thing is don't condemn yourself When you fall, don't condemn yourself. These are just practical things. Now, notice I didn't say don't condemn yourself if you fall. You're going to fall. You're going to miss God sometimes. Okay, you don't believe me. Um, It says... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means God's glorious standards. This week, you're probably going to fall short in some kind of way. Anger, a thought, something that you say, maybe something that you do. So we all fall short, but what, one of the tricks of the enemy is to, we condemn ourselves. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. Look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Because the devil likes to beat you up with guilt, to tell you that the Holy Spirit is not strong in your life. You're not a real Christian. You don't really love God. You know, tries to, he's the accuser of the brethren and the sisterhood. Look at what he says. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to say this. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Spirit, Holy Spirit, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. God still loves you, even when you mess up. I love the Donnie McClurkin song. We fall down, but we get up. Y'all remember that song? We fall down, but we get up. We fall down. Y'all remember that? But we get up. Somebody help me sing it. We fall down, but we get up. One more time. We fall down, but we get up. For a is just a sinner. For a saneness, just a sinner who fell down and what did they do and got up that's for somebody out there right now come on let's give God praise you may fall down but you can get up you don't have to be condemned lastly and quickly the third point is invest in the eternal more than the temporal if you want the Holy Spirit to be real and strong in your life, okay, spend more time do, doing things that have eternal value than temporal value. I'm not saying you can't do stuff that has temporal value. I'm just saying you want to do more stuff that has eternal value. Invest your time, talents, treasures, relationships, and things that matter rather than the temporal I've never seen a person on their deathbed say, if I could have just made more money, if I could have just lived in a bigger house, if I could have just drove a nicer car, I would have been happier in my life. Nobody says that. They say, if I could have spent more time doing this or that with these people that I loved. So let me end with this scripture as we close. Galatians 6, 7 Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. We use that a lot when it comes to giving because it's an agricultural term, sowing and reaping. But we don't use it a lot when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the flesh. And that's really what this scripture is talking about. Look at the next two verses. For the one who sows to his own flesh, Watching stuff you shouldn't be watching. Listening to stuff you shouldn't be listening to. When you do that, you're sowing, investing in your flesh. will reap destruction from the flesh when you do that. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. And then it goes on to say, and this is what I want to leave you with. Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. Hey, y'all, don't become weary. I know it's a battle, but don't become weary. I know you, you, you feel like you're living this life sometimes and everybody else is doing what they want to do. They're sowing to the flesh. Maybe you are a single woman or a single man and, uh, and all your friends are sleeping with folks and they're doing what they want to do and, you, and you're trying to do it God's way. I'm here to tell you, don't become weary. Don't become weary. Because in due time, you will reap. If you do not faint, you're going to win this battle against your flesh. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Yes. So let me pray for you. Father in heaven, this is real. We pray, oh God, that through your Holy Spirit, that you will give us the power to override those things of our flesh that are trying to bring us down. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Help us to lift off and not let the pool of sin bring us down. So God, we need you right now. We need the power of the risen Savior, that resurrection power that got Jesus from the grave. So with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, there are two challenges that I want to give today. The first one is for those of you who have never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I want to say a prayer, and I just want everybody to repeat after me. This would help those who might be saying this prayer for the first time. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And right now, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. Holy Spirit, come into my life right now. Change me. Strengthen me and make me a new person. In Jesus' name. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you are making a commitment to Christ right now, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. If you're in the chat, if you're watching us online, I just want you to put it online. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I'm making a decision. Somebody will follow up with you. If you're here in person, all I need you to do, just raise your hand high. You don't have to keep it up for a long time. We have some of our elders looking around. All you got to do is raise your hand. We will follow up with you. We will find you. Anybody out there? Lastly, if you are committing to allow the Holy Spirit to work more in your life, I want you to raise your hand right now. That ought to be everybody. Just raise your hand. Father, you see these hands. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come in our life. Make us strong so we can be victorious over our flesh. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise, everybody. The Lord is worthy to be praised. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles.